Dude, dude, bro, bro, we got Amy Stotch coming on the show from Bill and Ted Face the Music today. Yes, super, super pumped. Excited. She's yeah. like one of the nicest ladies in Hollywood. I mean, seriously, like, you know, from hot stepmom to uh, adjunct professor, right? You know, like, like teacher. I mean, like, this woman has run the gambit of. I, I just, it, it's amazing. It was such a fun conversation. Yeah, seriously. It makes me want to sign up for her class because she teaches acting. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, why not? I think she'd be an epic actor. I, I mean, a uh, teacher too. I, I agree, man. I agree. But you guys will hear that interview later on in the show. Yes. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, it's Friday. It's episode 127. Woo. And you guys know, your host with the most, myself, JLo, fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We got a lot to talk about today. No. You guys know. You guys know. Shit happened yes. <laughs> over the week. Over yes. The week, Are you guys man. excited about the fall season coming up? Eh. Some changes! <laughs> Some fall reality seasons, because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get scripted content. That's right. You like game shows? <laughs> right, because like, that's what you're getting. And then, I mean, of course, we talked about prior on another episode of the podcast, Kevin Mayer leaving Disney to go to TikTok. Well, now he's leaving TikTok. What? I mean, yep. I mean we're going to talk about it. we got some theories. we got some theories. Yes, we and, do. I mean, of course, there's so much more to talk about in wake of all the streaming wars. I mean, we got Netflix, Disney, Disney Plus, Hulu, Amazon, all the good shit oh. on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. If it's going down in Hollywood, we are talking about yes, it. Yes, oh, always. Man. Oh, man. But, you know, before we get this thing started, we got to plug our merchandise website, crazyantmedia.com. Be sure to head over there to rock, start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. I mean, people are just eating this shit up, they guys. They are, so man. I, I just I can't be more thankful because it's just amazing to see our designs on people's shirts, wearing them out and about. And, I mean, actually seeing people that you're like, hey – I don't even know you, but you're wearing my shit. <laughs> like, it's awesome to see. It is awesome to see. And we promise some It Calf merch is coming, okay? Yeah. Inside the Crazy Ant Farm merch is coming. We promise you. Uh, we got some stuff up there. We're getting more stuff coming. So, because um, we know you guys have been asking about that too. Um, so, yeah, dude. It's like badass. It really is. Thank man. you to everybody who's bought. Exactly. We really appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, let's start off with Kevin Mayer leaving TikTok mm. because th- this one's crazy. I mean, Resigned from the CEO position of TikTok less than three months after joining the company. No uh, no doubt about it. I think it's because of the whole Trump shit. Oh, it's definitely. Like, he, he, he laid it out. He said he just doesn't see a path moving forward with himself. He yeah. made he made sure to say had nothing to do with the company, had nothing to do with where, where he thought the company was going yeah. or what it was doing. But you guys know the whole thing. Trump is trying to get TikTok either shut down or purchased by an American company because yeah. it's a foreign-owned company, and he doesn't like that shit. It's, no. You know, so – um, apparently there's some moves, Microsoft, and I guess I'm, I'm here in Walmart. Sp- yeah, Walmart <laughs> are trying to team up to buy it or yeah. whatever, but mayor just wasn't having it. Yeah. He didn't like the political culture. He didn't want to stay there it and makes sense. go through all that and everything. And so look, you guys remember mayor was, su- 
by many, I guess, he thought was going to be the successor to Bob Iger at Disney, right? Yeah. So when he walked away, everybody was like, what? What's going on? And then Chappick took over and everything. Um, so I, I think there's a strong possibility. We've been talking about this. Yeah. So I would not be shocked at all if Mayer maybe went back to Disney. Oh. Um, I think I think there's there's a move to be made there. I think Chappick could use a strong number two. Iger's not staying forever, guys. Yeah. You know, he's in that role of executive chairman, but I mean he's not staying forever. He's he's made it clear he wants to move on. And I think that Chappick could use a strong number two that's got a solid grip on the creative side of the business. Yeah, I mean I think he was just playing nice because i mean that's what you do in hollywood especially if you want to keep moving forward and keep working with these people to some extent but i don't think he's going back to disney i think he would go somewhere else before going back because i mean this guy his resume is looking really nice so i I mean mean, all of these other streamers who are starting up their streaming services like they would definitely like get an a1 draft pick from this guy I'll, i'll tell you who needs him peacock peacock nbc universal if you can get your hands on kevin mayer and guys if you're not familiar and you should be because if you're a fan of the show you know mayer is the guy behind disney plus yeah he was the one in charge Iger put him in charge he is the mastermind that helped launch disney plus to that massively huge successful launch that they had and all those subscribers he was also in on the brain trust that was part of getting marvel getting pixar getting star wars into the company this guy like j-lo said the resume is like woohoo and guys peacock is struggling they are okay they are not hitting what they thought they were going to hit they don't have the content they're not we were just literally talking about this they're not advertising very well people don't know what is or is not peacock yeah what's on it what's not on it you guys need mayor yeah i think either peacock or somebody else i think would be a huge huge like beneficial if he went there apple Mm. with their streaming service because i mean obviously going to tiktok it's more than just the scripted and unscripted of viral content or streaming content it's more like for the consumers who are on social media and things like that and with apple trying to make this move to where it's kind of your one-stop shop of yeah. all the streamers like it's a hub basically i think that would be huge i mean i we all know that disney and apple have partnered together on multiple things that's right so and i mean Iger being on the board for forever and steve jobs being on the board uh, for disney yep. and like so i i think apple i uh, but we'll see i mean we're just throwing out I, I theories like, i like i like the apple theory because because like you said, with the whole them trying to bundle everything, again, I want to point out, Mayer was integral into the bringing in of Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars and yeah. bundling them under the Walt Disney Studios well, and, I mean, roof. It's more than more bundle uh, talk we're talking about. Um, I bet he was huge behind the Hulu, ESPN, and Disney Absolutely, Plus bundle. Absolutely, because so. he was in charge of that entire division with the streaming core. So yeah, this guy, it, it, it's a good call for Apple. So let the, let the bidding war begin. Yeah, exactly. Where, where will Kevin Mayer go? Exactly. We're going to find out, man. Exactly. Or you could come work for Crazy Exactly. We We, love it. We can't pay you, but you know your experience would be invaluable. Hell yeah, (laughs) definitely, definitely. Uh, More big things happening over at Disney. New Mutants, the last of the Fox X-Men films, is about to be, well, is out now. And on Thursday night, 750,000 previews domestically. And, I mean, we're here, and it's going to be a good... uh, 
going to give you a good weekend. Yeah. I mean, give, we'll talk about it a little bit later because I got some predictions. Exactly. Finally exactly. got some predictions. But, I mean, it made over a million on Thursday night. So. Yeah. I mean, so that, that that's off to a great start. So, I mean, you know, you got, normally you're talking, you know. 10, 15, 20 million on a Thursday night preview on its way to a hundred million dollars. Yeah. We know that ain't happening this no, week. No. So, but yeah, to have, to have a, a you know, a million dollars on a Thursday night launch is, is huge right now. Yeah. So, I mean, and come I'm on, guys. super interested because I mean, like I've talked about many, many times before on the show, I am strictly movies and television guy. Don't know most of the source material. So these are new characters being introduced. So I'm super excited, especially a little dark twist. Like, you know, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Um, more things happening over at Disney. Kelly Marie Tran it will voice the main character in Disney's upcoming animated adventure, Raya and the Last Dragon. Ooh, replacing the voice role uh, previously held by uh, Cassie Steele. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that's history because Tran's casting in that's going to make her the first Southeast Asian American to lead a Disney animated film. Fantastic! Yeah, so uh, just moves. another move towards that diversity. I think, uh-huh. and and I think this is a benefit of the film was supposed to have come out, you know, yeah. uh, this summer, yeah. but it got delayed because of the COVID pandemic. So now it's next year, March of next year. So uh, you know, it made the opportunity exactly. Uh, and you guys know, you know, she's Star Wars, and and um, sorry for your loss uh-huh. on Facebook, and you know, she's making quite the move in her career. She really too, is. Man. I mean, it's really exciting to see all these actors and actresses move their way. Up. Yes. I mean, especially like with much deserved talent like her. Like, Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, well, we teased this a little bit earlier at the top of the show. We were talking about the fall schedule over mm. at ABC Signature. Yes. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of reality TV, guys. And no doubt it's because the COVID-19 impact, yep. uh, a yep. lot of the scripted content has been pushed back. And I mean, they're not taking it off the table, but Nobody knows what everything's up in the air right now. But I mean, at least for now, they're replacing the upcoming with scripted series, like I said, and it's going to be like Celebrity Family Feud, which is going over really well. Yeah. Uh, Press Your Luck, Match Game, instead of like Shonda Night, basically, Thursday Night, (laughs) uh, instead of Station 19, uh, Grey's Anatomy, and A Million Little Things. Yep. And Sunday's not safe either. Are you a fan of Nathan Fillion? You know, rookie. Yeah. yeah nope. Card sharks. That's where that's gonna be. Yeah, Card man. sharks. So it sucks. It sucks. But it is. It's where we're at right now. And I mean, you just gotta do what you gotta do. And they're trying to figure out the protocols and try to figure out how to shoot these things. Because I mean, think about it. There's like at least thirty actors, just actors, on the set of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Because you got your your day players. You got your stars. You got your background actors. You got like all these people that are just in like one fucking scene yeah it's crazy can you even imagine though a fall launch without Grey's Anatomy on ABC it's been like damn near 20 years every fall you know boom nope so mm, I don't know man it is it is but we do know they're starting to shoot Ellen Pompeo tweeted that they're getting ready to start shooting yes so hopefully November December we'll see them you know get some episodes in the can and and start to premiere around November December we'll see exactly exactly well the signature I'm just gonna start calling it that because that sounds (laughs) badass the signature ABC has given a series order to an limited anthology series women 
of the movement, which will tell a story of a key female figures in the civil rights movement. Uh, this is going to be like a six-episode season. It's going to debut in 2021. Mm-hmm. That seems to be – it's going to be a big year for 2021. It does Like seem all like this that. shit's coming out yeah. like in that year. And this is good. The, the first season is going to be about Emmett Till's mother. Nice. Um, it's going to focus on Mamie Till Mobley. And as you guys know, I mean she basically from the time her son was killed um, – and you guys know the brutal murder of Emmett Till if you're not familiar with that what the fuck yeah, you what the should fuck. be go read some mississippi history and um it was rough down there in the south but emmett till was a huge behind the launch of the civil rights movement and um she basically from the time he was killed on her entire life fought for justice and civil rights and and um so this is going to be an extraordinary story for them to yeah. tell well, I'm just happy. I'm very proud of all these streamers doing these type of episodics and mm-hmm. like, you know, serial content because it's a teaching thing. I mean, not a lot of people like to learn when it comes to the reading source material. So when you show it in the form of entertainment, I feel like that just helps educate people so much more. Agreed. So, I mean, I feel like school systems should figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Show it in the sense of entertainment and kids will actually pay attention. Yeah. Because, and- like, you know, a lot of this shit happens and you hear about it in history books, but kids aren't really paying attention in history class. So it's true. I mean, we talk about it all the time with the fucking politics and shit. It's true. So, I mean, you know, you know. But I, I'm I'm personally, I don't know about you, but I'm personally a little mad at Disney. I'm a little upset a about little this A little upset. Uh, Disney has begun revealing its international pricing details for Mulan, and we all know it's heading to the streaming service yep, for Disney+. Yep. Plus. And it's a lower price point internationally. For the fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I'm talking like $26 basically everywhere throughout Europe and places like that. But in France, get this shit fucking free. Yeah. Yeah. In France, it's going to be a free to anybody who's already a subscriber to Disney+. Plus. Mm. You don't have to pay the additional 30 bucks like you will here in the U.S. to watch it. Booty. What? Yeah. What? I, um, I mean, I wasn't happy that it was going to the streamer anyway. I kind of like wanted to see it in the theaters, but... Now that I have to pay more than everybody else in the world to see it, I'm even more on that. Right. Like, like it kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. I mean, we have a theory on the France thing. Maybe Disney Plus isn't as alive uh, in France <laughs> as fucking all these other places. But still, but still, we're as good as France. What the hell? We're, yeah. all, we're all equal. Exactly. What the fuck? Give that shit for free. Exactly. Oh, man. But uh, this next one I'm kind of upset about because it sucks. It's a good, I mean, they're starting their own franchise and they're working that shit up. The, yeah. The Kingsman, the prequel to Kingsman, you know, the spy series that had um, fucking Elton John there. Yeah, Taron Edgerton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, has been pushed back. It's theatrical debut. We've talked about this like all the time. Uh, now it's expected to hit theaters five months later than its initial plan, uh, February 26th of 2021. It was supposed to come out in September uh, 18th of 2020. Yeah. So, damn. It yeah. sucks. It, I mean, and, and I guess... You know, we talk about this all the time, too. Is there uh, an agenda? Is there a stigma? Is there a kind of a we-don't-like-you type attitude with the Fox films? Well, Kingsman, Kingsman's been a hugely successful franchise. There's already been two or three films in that franchise that have done great at the box office. But you guys, it's a Fox film. That now that Disney owns it and everything, and so they're saying they're not real surprised that this one was pushed back, and because Disney really hasn't been marketing it or yeah. pushing it or putting any money behind it um, since they got it. So well, and I mean that's what it seems like, even with the new movie coming out this weekend, New Mutants. Like I mean, 
you know, it's a Fox film, so they're just like, fuck it, that's the testing one, we're putting that one out. They're they're more willing to take a chance with a Fox film than they are Mulan, obviously, right. with behind the paywall of Disney+. Plus. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, which, I mean, why wouldn't you just continue moving this franchise forward when they're, it's doing so well at the box office, like you said? Exactly. So, I mean... May, they, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. They, I think they, they should rethink that one. But you know. I, I, I do too. And I'll tell you what, though, with the New Mutants, it just shows one thing: that superhero films are still relevant. Oh yeah, they're still huge. People still want to see them, even in the COVID pandemic. A million dollars on Thursday night, and you know who knows how much over the weekend, but I bet it's going to be significant. And this is a film, like you said, that's a bunch of newcomers that, unless you're a comic book fan, you have no idea who they are. No idea. So, and yet, still pumping out the money. So exactly, there you go. I think this one, that I mean, going back to the film, I think that one's going to surprise a lot of people though, because maybe they're like expecting it to be. Like, before you went and saw Joker, you didn't think it was going to be as dark as it was. Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of that reaction. So, a lot of people are going to like it, and some people are going to be uncomfortable and not like it. So, I, But I'm just curious to see, like, the reaction after this weekend. It's got a little dragon in it and Colossus's <laughs> sister. Oh. If you guys are not comic book fans, I'm just going to throw that. Remember Colossus, big mm. steel guy from Deadpool and X-Men? His little sister's in yeah, it. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, all right. That's enough for you to go see it. All exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a little dragon in it. Hell yeah, Come hell on. yeah. Oh, this is exciting. Even though, I mean, we've talked about the 72nd Emmy Awards is not going to be, obviously, an audience and everything like that, but they're still going to do it at the Staples center mm -hmm, uh, they mm -hmm. announced that jimmy kimmel will anchor the emmys from the stage in the staples center and there will be no audience there will be no red carpet because you know everything's going on uh, he's also stated that they plan to have professional cameras if possible and camera operators literally in every single nominee's where the location, wherever they are, yeah. that's that's crazy. I I mean, we've come from broadcast journalism and thinking about the amount of fucking cameras and people. Like, I I'm just gonna be so surprised if there's no mess ups. Yeah, like, and I mean, they're talking about having as many as 140 feeds from yeah, all over the world coming insane. into that control room, which is why they chose to keep it at the Staples Center because yeah. I guess they needed the size of the control room there to be able to do this. I, <laughs> like, I, do you damn. think they were inspired? Because I guess you know, remember a couple of weeks ago. On the show we were talking about american idol is doing this yeah they're going to be doing all the live auditions via sending cameras to the people who are auditioning and all that kind of stuff so maybe they were inspired that way abc abc yeah you know. um but yeah this is crazy to me i mean and how are they going to do this they're apparently still doing musical performances and stuff yeah right how's that going down like i'm like, guessing that's going to be at the fucking at the staples center but still like it's really weird i just feel like that's a lot of fucking work it like, is it <laughs> is i man. mean you know you and and then there's question, are they getting the statue? Are they not getting the statue? Apparently there was at some point a plan to actually have like drivers to speed drive the, oh, the award to the person <laughs> so that they would have it if they accepted it. And then they realized that is never going to fucking work. Right. So they axed that. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. Are they going to send an Emmy statue to everybody and then the losers have to send them back? Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know how that's going to work, but it'll be fun to watch. Exactly. I'm so intrigued, man. Mm -hmm. I'm so intrigued. Mm, I know you're excited about this one. Me too. Dude, it's epic. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, it's only Tim Allen can do mm -hmm. it. I mean, properly. Uh, but the history channel has issued a 10 episode order for an unscripted series called assembly required yes. which will team up tim allen and hosted by richard karn 
Epic, man. Fucking epic. Home yes. improvement, back together. Yes. Who doesn't want to see Tim the Toolman Taylor and Al back together? Exactly. Come on, guys. This is going to be, like, freaking awesome. Exactly. I'm so, so freaking pumped. I mean, super big into reality TV right now. I don't know why. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to have Tim Allen and freaking old boy back together, it's going to be epic. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Definitely, definitely. Talk about epic. Talk about fucking epic. Woo! DC fandom definitely killed the weekend yes like way better than comic-con so luckily they pulled out of that shit yes um but th- this guys insane hall of heroes generated 22 million views across 222 countries and territories in its 24 hour run and has pulled in over 150 million views since last saturday yes Damn. not only that it Trended on Twitter in 53 different markets, YouTube in 82 different markets, and Warner Media was so happy with the response, overwhelming response. Yeah, they're planning to do it again. Makes sense. Even when the COVID thing is over and they can attend Comic Con and everything, they're talking about still doing this kind of virtual thing again. I think it's brilliant because. It gave so many people who didn't have the opportunity and don't have the opportunity to go to, like, Comic-Con, can't get a ticket because those things are always sold out years in advance. Right. All this kind of, But you got to see it. You got to be a part of it. You got to watch it. And clearly people tuned in. Yeah. I was one of them. I was one of those 22 million people. And I got to tell you, I was like a kid in a toy store. Yeah. Every time I saw the new trailer or some new footage or something, I was just like, ah! <laughs> so I mean, Marvel, your move. Right. Um, what are they gonna do? I I got to imagine if it went over this well for DC. I think if you did like an MCU type fandom, holy shit! Yeah, and I mean it only makes sense with like the unbeknownst of what's gonna happen. Is COVID gonna stick around for a while? And is this our new normal? Like. Of course you're going to do these virtual reality shits because, I mean, it lets – and especially since it lets so many people who might not have the chance to go get mm-hmm. to see this shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's an epic experience. But my question is how much money did they lose out because of the tickets and not going and actually seeing them and, like, autographs and, like, picture opportunities? And that's the real question I'm uh, Yeah, I, d- I don't know. They did brag about the cost effectiveness of it. So maybe they broke even because on the – on the flip side of that, they have to pay for all of these people all exactly. the, all the, to show up. All these celebrities, all these stars, all their people to show up and house them and feed them for the entire time that they're there. So I guess it kind of balanced out because they didn't have to do any of that this time. All of the stars and everything did it literally from their homes via Zoom. And they sent them a camera. They sent them some shit. And they all kind of did a green screen. They even sent them some green screens nice. and shit to kind of put them in that DC fandom satellite that they were in. Um, so maybe it balanced out, maybe, but I, look, I got to tell you, it was so successful. I enjoyed it so much that I'd pay for it next time. I'd pay five bucks, 10 bucks to do it, to watch it for the 24 hours. So maybe next time they can charge, don't go crazy. Right. Don't be like 85 fucking dollars or some bullshit, <laughs> but five, 10 bucks. I'd pay five or 10 bucks to watch all that shit. Yeah. I, I would do it. So yeah, it's just smart, keep that man. Mind. It's smart, man. I'm, I know you're pumped about this shit. Ugh, yes. Are you West Wing fans? Cause I'm a fucking huge West Wing fan. I binge watch it at least once a year, like all <laughs> all the seasons. I, I can't help it. Well, you're in luck because Aaron Sorkin and the gang are getting back together to do a special on HBO Max right before the election that is apparently going to benefit um, when we all vote, which is a Michelle Obama's uh, corporate or you know foundation to help get the word out to vote. They're going to do it. They're going to recreate 
um, an episode, Hartsfield Landing. You guys remember that one? They're going to redo that episode. And, and here's the exciting part. A lot of them are coming back, almost the entire cast. Rob Lowe, Martin Sheen, Dooley Hill, Janelle Monet, like Allison Janney, uh, Richard Schiff. Sorkin's going to be there. He's going to write some new lines, I guess, to update it. But do you guys remember this episode? It's the one where, where you know, Bartlett is having the chess competition with Charlie. And, and, you know, two different chess competitions going on and then having to try to deal with this, like, crisis situation in China. So that's the one that they're going to recreate. I'm fucking pumped. Yeah. Like, 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 these guys haven't been together in 20 years. You know, an appearance here or there. Or, oh, they took a selfie. But, like, the whole cast back together for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. It's going to be badass. And I'm super excited because Aaron Sorkin is one of the best writers that's ever put his pen to paper. So, I mean, it's going to be super exciting, especially in wake of the fucking Oompa Loompa. So, I'm excited to see what his new material is going to be written for these characters. Exactly. Oddly enough, the funny thing is is it could still involve China. Right. And Russia. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, it... Go back and watch that show if you've never watched it, and everything that happens in the entire seven-year run of that show all the, is all the same shit that's happening 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. Nothing has changed. It's fucking crazy, man. It is crazy. It is. It is crazy. But what else is crazy? Freaking everybody loving Selena Gomez. Yeah. HBO Max has announced that they have given her cooking show, Selena Plus Chef, another season, a second season of... It's super exciting because, I mean, everybody's trying to generate some content, especially now in quarantine. And, I mean, I'm glad that it's working out for her because she's a very talented individual. Apparently, on camera, on set, and in the kitchen. Killing it. That's what I'm saying. I guess people were liking what she was cooking. Yeah. Yeah, You know, you know. You know, but uh, something stupid. Something really stupid. Um, Guess what? Guess I don't even know how to fucking start this one. Um... HBO, HBO Max, Cartoon Network, all these motherfuckers, um, they're giving a live-action version to um, Powerpuff Girls? Yes. What? Yes. What? And I, I mean, it's supposed to be, it's in development at the CW, and uh, it's supposed to be like an updated version of the trio, like they're supposed to be grown-ups, 20-somethings, and they're having, they're having to deal with like... Oh, you made us grow up like this, and now they're kind of mad at everybody, and like this is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. They're angry twenty somethings. Yeah, like because what you know, and what are you gonna? How? What does that mean? What are they like? Be you know, just not talking to the professor. Yeah, you made us be superheroes. Fuck you. Like I, I don't understand. I like, I, I, like I don't. I, I, I don't. But here's the thing, it will probably be a hit. You know why? Because <laughs> Berlanti is behind it, exactly. Greg Berlanti, and everything the man touches turns to gold. It's like a ninety percent chance it, it, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. We're we're thinking, no, why would anybody want to see this? But if Berlanti touches it, it's like, oh, everybody wants to see it. It's like, oh, at least for a season or two. Yeah, you know, and it's going to the CW. It's a superhero show going to the CW with Berlanti attached. It's guaranteed two seasons. That's so weird. Maybe five, ten. <laughs> You're gonna cast as the girls, like that's what bubbles I'm, and um, yeah, blossom and, and fucking yeah, yeah, Buttercup. Yeah. Like, yes, I know the names. Don't judge me. Don't, yeah, Don't judge I mean, me. Yeah. I had a daughter that loved that show. You know. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, but even other... she doesn't want to see it. Oh, yeah. No. Ex- no, 
That's the real thing. She doesn't even want to no. see it. So. And she was a huge fan. Exactly. Know. It's like, why? Why? <laughs> but uh, CW is also doing some cool things. Damian Wayans Jr., uh, Two Shakes Entertainment, is developing a drama series for the CW. Mm-hmm. The Pretenders, following a seemingly normal suburban family, is hiding a big secret. Uh, they're actually individually assets in the Witness Protection protection program placed together to provide safe cover for three uh uh from three assassins who are um oh uh, unrelated minors yeah what the fuck yeah that's really weird yeah because normally you know if you're in witness protection they don't merge you with another witness protection family no that's That's like basically defeating the whole point so this will be an interesting premise yeah yeah you know i like damon winch jr though i mean yeah i think that's gonna be a good show i agree man i agree and one of the biggest things one of the biggest people uh shaq shaquille o'neal has struck a new multi-year deal with warner media everybody knows he is like everywhere basically um he's going to executive produce projects for the bleacher report develop a new show for nba tv and be a part of cnn's new year's eve coverage i think that's going to be awesome yeah um and he's also warner media is going to help him describe Distribute his podcast mm-hmm. and uh, potentially appear in uh, TNT's coverage of All Elite Wrestling. So this guy is going literally everywhere. Yes. And he's still going to do his uh, Inside the NBA, still going to be co-hosting part of that broadcast team. Yeah, he's but not going anywhere, Ernie. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Ernie, Chuck, all, <laughs> all you guys. Kenny, like. He's still there. Like, it's. But yeah, I'm I'm super. I love this though. I love it when athletes go beyond their sports, like go, get into the entertainment field and the technology field, like do all the restaurant business, like do all these different things that don't focus around the NBA. Yeah, like so. Well, kudos he's a, to him. He's a great entrepreneur though. Yeah. He owns like a pizza franchise and, he, and like all, just all kinds of businesses. I mean, he's a smart guy, man. Yeah, really smart guy. Agreed. Agreed. Now heading over to CBS. Viacom, Viacom, CBS. <laughs> nobody getting, uh, nobody getting sued again this week. That's Go right. You. That's Two right. weeks in a row. Woo-hoo! So proud. That's right. Uh, but CBS's FBI shows are making a couple changes in front and behind the camera. Yep. Uh, Catherine Renee Turner has joined FBI as a new series regular. And on FBI Most Wanted, David Higgins has come on board as executive producer slash showrunner as part of his overall deal that he signed with Universal Television. So, yeah, you know, you know. I mean, I'm surprised these things are still on the air because of fucking, like, you know, um, what was it, Live PD and shit like that getting canceled on uh, A&E, I believe. So, I mean, you know, you know. I mean, but th- but these are you know every it's Dick Wolf. Yeah. You know it's basically Law and Order at the FBI. Yeah. So I mean you know I, yeah. I, it's but it is kind of weird because uh, Renee Balser, who was the showrunner for season one of uh, FBI Most Wanted, he he's kind of exiting and he's been a longtime collaborator with Dick Wolf. Yeah. So it's kind of you know they're they're going in a different creative direction, which is really you know see proven fact right there. I mean you guys could tell. I don't watch this show. I for sure thought this shit was like cops. Oh yeah no no. No, no, no. <laughs> this is actual scripted program. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the CBS Dick Wolf uh, version. You know, he's yeah. got NBC with Law and Order and Chicago. I mean, uh, yeah, Chicago PD and all that. And then on CBS, he's got FBI. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, you know, everybody loves Dick Wolf. This next one. Everybody loves Martin Snoop. Lawrence and Snoop. <laughs> I mean, Snoop. But 
Do you guys see them teaming up for a Washington, D.C. political drama? Nope. Nobody no, saw yeah, that no, coming. No, no. And even more so, they're not only starring in a drama in D.C. about politics, they fucking wrote it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Snoop Dogg and Martin Lawrence are writing a political drama. That's epic. I, I mean, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm tuning in. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need to know what it's about, and I'm tuning in to see that. Like, exactly. I, I don't even know. A titled game, and um, yeah, yeah, man, super excited. I think Martin Lawrence uh, used Bad Boys for Life as a testing ground to see if he still had fans out there because he took a long hiatus, I felt like. Nobody saw or heard from him for a while. So. It's true. I mean, I'm excited, though. I love Martin Lawrence. So. Me too. Too, man. Epic. That was one of my favorite shows back in the day, Martin. Like, I, I loved it. I Hell thought yeah. it was hilarious. And so, yeah, basically they're playing two lifelong friends. I mean, you know, Bobby and Dice. Mm. So, and now they're hooking up and they're like, I guess, giving out political favors to, you know, behind closed doors and yeah. kind of, a, hmm. Interesting. <laughs> they're in the room where it happens. That's all I'm saying, right? Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> oh, they and are. Jerry Bruckheimer's behind it. Yeah. So, hit. Yeah, right. It'll be a hit. Right there. Um, dude, oh my goodness. If anybody has not seen this trailer, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Showtime yes. released their official trailer for the upcoming two-night limited series, The Comey Rule. Oh my goodness. And everybody knows this is about Comey being the head of the FBI and then Trump being elected and all this different things and like the uh, 2016 presidential elections and then looking in on Clinton's emails, Hillary's emails, and like this just looks so damn good. Good. The dude that's playing Trump sounds exactly like him, and like this, the trailer alone was like, damn. Yeah, it's intense, man. It is absolutely intense. The cast is freaking phenomenal, man. Everybody they they got to play these roles are, are just unbelievable. And when I say they, I mean our buddy Billy Ray. Yeah, yeah. Billy Ray wrote and directed this bad boy, and oh my. God, and Spencer Garrett is in it. Of course. Our other buddy, Spencer. Like, the, that's enough right there, guys. Exactly. That's enough right there. Billy Ray, Spencer Garrett, you need to tune in. But um, brilliantly, Showtime has decided to put this thing on right before the election. Yeah. I, I would just highly recommend watch this before you go vote. Yeah. Because I think it's important. Exactly. Just, just watch exactly. this bad boy. Sunday, September 27th is when it premieres. Yes. So uh, mark that on your calendars because definitely, definitely. And man, this guy has seen a nice little resurgence mm -hmm. the past couple of years, especially in the TV world. Uh, CBS All Access has given a limited series adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, in yes. which it will uh, premiere December 17th. The series will be a weekly one and will be... A, an eight-episode thing on their streaming service. Yeah, uh, so. every Thursday for like eight weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just so proud to say this because yet another one of our past Inside the Crazy Ant Farm guests will star in this, yeah. Catherine McNamara. You know. I mean, you know, our guests are everywhere in yeah. huge projects, and I could not be more excited for all of them. Hell yeah. Man. All of them. Congratulations, guys. You guys are kicking ass. Exactly, exactly. Well, CBS All Access has been busy this week. Uh, they are in final negotiations with Curtis 50 Cent Jackson yes. for his drama 24-7. The show will be written by Dallas Jackson uh, based on a book by Derek Parker and Matt Delhi. Um, the book centers around Parker, who is played by T.I., mm. um, and has worked for some of the biggest criminal cases in rap history, and from the shooting at the club in New York to the first shooting of Tupac Shakur, and like, there's a whole bunch of different things, and I mean, 
this is another guy that even he doesn't rap much now i feel like and so now he's huge in the entertainment game like making movies making television shows multiple television shows yeah he basically took over stars with power like that and he's got like what 18 different spinoffs from Power coming yeah. out. Like, I mean, this guy is kicking ass. And he still got For Life. For Life got renewed at ABC. So, yeah, he's become quite the uh, TV powerhouse, hasn't Dude, he? Dude, like, like, epic. I'm just glad. Like I said, I love when people are able to move on from their first initial craft. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that just shows the growth and the evolution and what that single person can hustle to do to be a better, like, Absolutely. entrepreneur and just get your name out there. Exactly. Um, but you guys know uh, about a month ago, we... We had Denim Richards on from Yellowstone, and man, what a phenomenal interview. And this show is, like, killing it right now in the ratings. By far, probably the most biggest thing out right now. Yeah, which is just unreal to me because who has Paramount Network? Raise your hand. No, no. Yeah, Yeah, us either. So (laughs) it's amazing to me. Their season three finale apparently – 5.2 5.2 million total viewers, which made it the most watched scripted cable telecast of the entire year. Uh, 84% increase from season two season finale. Then it gets even more crazy. 7.6 million viewers tuned in in the final three days after, like if you record it and watch it. And 10.7 million viewers overall when you add in everything, which makes it the most watched show on the Paramount Network in Paramount Network's history. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It is crazy. Like, I mean, but huge. Apparently, this show is... A, they're already shooting season four. They're already started. It's got renewed, and, it, and it's going to be back. And, I mean, they're already shooting, and just congrats. Right. Apparently, this is a really awesome show. And like we were talking about at the top of the show, if the, if um, the Peacock did a better job advertising and letting people know, you can actually watch it on the Peacock. Exactly. So, go check it out, man. Denim is awesome, and, and I just think it's it, apparently a really... Uh, Kevin Costner and Denim Richards. Right. Go watch it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, stars, they have added more people to Stephen Amell's wrestling drama, <sighs> Heels. Uh, they have added Mary McCormick uh, yes. in a leading role. A former West Winger. Yeah, right there. Uh, she will play Willie, the business partner of Jack Spade, Amell, yes. uh, and the logistical brains behind the local wrestling organization who uh, came up in glory of the days with the uh, Wild Bill's uh, vigilante character. So yes. I'm excited. I'm excited for this thing to hit. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I yep. mean, uh, like, uh, who doesn't want to see? You know, that's the collaboration between Stephen Amell and Dusty Rhodes, or Dustin Rhodes. Um, it, Dusty Rhodes, going back to my days. Um, y- you know, that he was guest star on Arrow, and they kind of became friends, and, and Amell went and wrestled, and now, like, they're working on the show together about, you know, down and dirty grit, old school wrestling. So it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, heading over to NBC Universal, Amy Adams has joined the cast of Universal Pictures' Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. Uh, and she will portray Cynthia Murphy, a mother of the characters Connor and Zoe Murphy, mm-hmm. who we previously announced as castmates, to Caitlin Deaver and Amanda, uh, Amanda uh, Steinberg. Yeah, these this this movie's all of a sudden picking up a lot of steam, guys. I right? mean, it, it is cast in huge names, and it's based on a little musical. Yeah. So that, an award-winning musical. I don't want to say little musical, but, you know, it, it's just... 
I mean, with names like that, you know it's going to be huge at exactly. the box office. So. And I mean, speaking of huge at the box office, it, it's by no surprise that NBC Universal's biggest franchise, at least right now, yes. is the Fast, Fast and Furious franchise. Yes. So, of course, they're trying to give out first look deals to directors, creators, anybody who attached. The latest being Justin Lin, uh, director of five of the Fast and Furious movies. That's so, right. one of their golden boys. Uh, yes. Signed to a multi year production deals with Universal Pictures. Universal Studio Groups for feature films and television through his Perfect Storm Entertainment. And you guys know, through the first look deal, <laughs> he'll be uh, in charge of creating all these different things for streaming, uh, film, television, all these good things. Yeah, and which is really interesting outside Universal also. This deal includes him creating content through Universal for outside networks. So that'll be interesting. Could we see him have a show pop up on Netflix or something? Right. That'd be awesome. It good, would. Good job, man. Right. Congrats, Justin Lin. All, All right. right. Exactly. Killing it. Uh, but like ABC, mm-hmm. NBC has announced its big scripted shows, including like This Is Us. Uh, all three of the Chicago dramas, Law & Order SVU, uh, have been like pushed back to yep. November. Yep. Damn. Not not coming out in the fall. Mm-mm. Coming out in November. At least they gave us November. ABC didn't even say November. Yeah, they didn't even but, say like you know, anything. They've been pushed back. They are not going to be on in the fall. They also announced, and this is the one that's going to piss everybody off, because we told you three weeks ago with Chris Maloney coming back, he'd signed on. They had the big reunion with Mariska Hargitay, and it was guaranteed. Lockdown. It's going to make it. It's going to be on the fall schedule. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. NBC has apparently announced that Law & Order, Organized Crime, not only won't debut in the fall like they guaranteed it would, it's not even going to come on this year. Mm. Not even in November. It's been pushed back to 2021. Yeah. It'll be joined by uh, Keenan and Mr. Mayor, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Good Girls, Making It Manifest, New Amsterdam, and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, all pushed back till next year. So Damn. It sucks. Know. Yeah. And wake of fucking Corona. Like, yeah. It is what it is, man. I mean, it really does suck. What are we going to do this fall? I don't know. I don't know. Binge watch West Wing? That's yeah, right. Like, <laughs> uh, but they're also doing more big things. The Kate McKinnon series about Carol Baskin and the Tiger King, Joe Exotic, has received a multi-platform series order at Universal Television. The limited series, currently titled Joe Exotic, is now set to air on NBC, The Peacock, and the U.S. networks. So, I mean... I don't know, man. I think this like was a fad, a trend during quarantine, and it's just done. Yeah, I don't. I would. I would. If you didn't jump on the bandwagon while it was happening and hot and ready to go, then I feel like you're going to be behind. And multi-platform is that like the new thing now? So if you have multiple channels now, you get multi-platform deals. Yeah, like you know, I, I, and you know, USA just bring back suits. Right. That's my favorite show on USA just Network. And just bring back that. Or, or you should have kept Pearson. Yeah. I, just saying. That one's on Peacock, too, if you want to watch that one. Oh, my God. It's so good. The spinoff from Suits, guys. And I hated that it only got one season. I'm just putting that out there. Why are you doing this shit when you could have had a second season of Pearson? Just exactly. Some, moving on. Exactly. <laughs> More questions to why are you doing this? That's things. right. Uh, Bloomhouse uh, Productions and filmmaker John Carpenter are developing a reboot, a fucking reboot, uh, to the 1982 horror classic The Thing. Uh, no de- 
details about if it's going to be like a prequel, sequel, remake, anything about that. We just know it's happening. Yeah, John Carpenter was directly asked at a convention, is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? What's it all about? How's it going down? Refused to answer. Yeah. So just, he's team. Bloom is desperately trying to get a hit again. I know. He, he's had some At stumbles. In the horror and, genre. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, hopefully he gets something because, you know. Yeah, exactly. And more reboots that we have to fucking talk about because they're huge names. Uh, Project X has landed the rights to Nutty Professor, and moving forward, they are planning a reboot. Mm. Uh, no studios attached as Project X will package themselves before taking it out on the market, but the project marks its second major property in 2020. Um, yeah, they are also a part of the new Scream, the relaunch of the Scream franchise. Yeah. So, just why? I know. why. It, it, Nutty Professor's already been rebooted with, yeah. with Eddie Murphy. I mean, you know, I just why are we doing it again? Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, mate. I don't know. Ooh, this next one. I know you're excited. <sighs> man, it I'm not excited be. that it was only eight episodes and they're breaking it up into two parts, man. I thought I was knocking out all of it season five. But no, I'm talking about Lucifer. Did you guys spend the weekend binging? I did. Lucifer was badass. Anyway, Lucifer's season five debut broke all the TV records uh, being the biggest opening weekend for a TV series in Netflix's history. Flying past The Legend of Korra, which was previously the number one show. Bumped off Umbrella Academy, which was the number one show before Lucifer. And knocked off Project Power as the number one overall in the top ten in the U.S. Basically, it kicked everybody's ass. Right, Everybody, like- everybody's ass, Lucifer. And man, I'm, I, you know, I'm throwing out spoilers. I'm just going to tell you, spoilers... It ends the cliffhanger. God. God. Dad shows up finally. Dad shows up finally. Amenadiel and, and Mazikeen and Lucifer and his brother, Michael the Archangel, are in this epic demon angel throwdown. They're kicking each other's asses. All the wings come out. They're about to go down. And God says, enough. And God is Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yes. That's all you need to know. Go watch that shit. It was epic. Just so funny. Epic. Oh man. <laughs> uh, but I'm Ryan so glad Reynolds, they picked it up. Yeah. Just Netflix. Go you. <laughs> Go you. But uh, Ryan Reynolds is doing a lot of stuff with Netflix at the moment. Yes. Uh, they're teaming up, or he's teaming up with John August to co-write and executive produce uh, Netflix's feature comedy Upstate, and Reynolds is gonna star in this pick, and of course, executive produce through his uh, Maximum Effort banner. And I mean, you know, you know, more big stars heading over to Netflix, who I'm guessing they're paying a shit ton too. Yes. So that's more and more debt, and by no surprise, we're going to be talking about some cancellations mm. uh, on Netflix. But Justin in the meantime, Hartley. in the meantime, Justin Hartley, if you are sad that you won't be able to see Justin Hartley in This Is Us, well, he's heading over to Netflix. Yes. <laughs> Justin Hartley, uh, Bonnie Bedella. Yep, the and, mom from Parenthood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, bringing it all back. Exactly. And Treat Williams have been cast in Netflix family drama, uh, The Noelle Diary. Hartley will also executive produce and he will portray a best selling author who returns home at Christmas to settle the estate of. Of his estranged mother who kicked him out of the house when he was just 16. Mm. And then he discovers a diary that may hold the secrets to his own past and that beautiful uh, past of a beautiful young woman on a mysterious journey of her own. Together they embark on an adventure to uh, confront their past and discover their future that is totally unexpected. 
Th- that was well done. Thanks. That was well done. That is that that is a synopsis right there. It is. And I have one question. Can Justin Hartley finally win an Emmy? Right. Can he please. get an Emmy for this one? At least a nomination? Please? Just saying. He deserves the it. The man is just like, you know, he's an epic actor. He needs it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, two months after Jenny Slate announced that she would no longer voice the character of Missy in Netflix's animated puberty comedy, which is hilarious, by the way, Big Mouth, the streamer announced that it has found a replacement for the writer, producer, comedian, and actor. The replacement is A.O. Edberly. Yes. Edberly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she booked the role just a few weeks ago and has already recorded her season four dialogue. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yep. Ready to go. Uh, but this is a huge, huge comedy out right now, animated comedy on Netflix, especially for kids who are going through puberty and growing up and having all these uh, questions and conversations. So, yeah, check it out. And, I mean, this was also in wake of if you're not a black actress, right, right. they don't want to be voicing a black character. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you know, I'm excited to see what she does with the role and see what happens next. And in fairness, they did it kind of because apparently Slate had the entire season four already done and recorded. Yeah. So they didn't want to make the transition weird, so they've decided to do like a special episode. So Slate will voice most of season four, and then they're doing this special episode where the changeover will kind of happen. So. So, yeah, good for them. I mean, yeah, you know. definitely, definitely. Um, there's also a new series at Netflix that's coming out, anthology series called Social Distance. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> um, Danielle Brooks, Ashanti Black, uh, Mike Coulter, Oscar Nunez, and uh, Defane Ruben Vega. Uh, they're all going to be a part of this cast, mm-hmm. and it's going to be an eight-part series that is set a few months after uh, the coronavirus sweeps the globe. Each episode is a standalone one that uh, is shot remotely in the actor's real-life homes across the country it's that's just, interesting yeah they're, uh, they're going to focus on specifically character relationships and what they're experiencing at the time kind of sounds like quarantine it does kind of sound like quarantine doesn't it yeah. uh i like this though that they that you know they're kind of doing it each from their own home and their own perspective and i mean it's a great cast asante's kicking ass if you guys know on this is us right now mike coulter hello yeah fucking i mean of course you know that is and, you know and uh and and evil on cbs now yeah and i'm binge watching him on uh the good wife right now the boom guys badass boom. um so cool yeah cool. man I-, I bet we're gonna see a lot of these things though a lot of like corona pandemic yeah. type stuff coming over the next few months i wouldn't be surprised i agree i agree uh market Margaret Qualey uh, has been cast in the lead role of Netflix's upcoming dramedy series, Made. The series will be based on Stephanie Land's Made, Hard Work, Low Pay, and the Mothers Will Survive. Um, it will chronicle a single mother who turns into a housekeeping to barely making ends meet, and she battles against poverty, homelessness, and uh, bureaucracy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's basically a lot of shit that's happening. It is. Margaret Qualey, though, I'll tune in. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Margaret Qualley. You guys know who she is. Once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, the little hooker that brought him to the farm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Manson farm. That's her. Yeah. 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 It's going to be huge. Yeah. It's going to be huge. And I mean, Netflix is doing this big thing right now where they are turning all these video games into yeah. a television series. I mean, you see it done with The Witcher, and now they're doing it with Resident Evil, and it's by no surprise, you have, you have to get somebody who's kind of in that world. So, they're bringing on Supernatural co-showrunner Andrew Dabb to mm. oversee the series for Netflix. So, I'm excited about that. I mean, everybody knows it's basically like a post-apocalyptic thing, and you're trying to fight off the zombies, and so, I mean, yeah, 
That's a smart guy to bring in then. Yeah. You know, <laughs> isn't it good to see that everybody will have a job after Supernatural goes off? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Every week on the show, we're telling you where somebody from Supernatural is going. So exactly. that's good. Exactly. That's good. And at the top of Netflix, I uh, teased a little bit. They are doing some cancellations and art Altered Carbon uh, that has Anthony Mackie in it. Yeah. Um, it has been canceled after two seasons. And this thing was the number one trending thing for a while on mm-hmm. IMDb Pro. And, uh, yeah, canceled after two seasons along with The Society and I'm Not Okay With This. Uh, reportedly canceled because of budgetary issues surrounding the increase of health and safety costs and related to the fucking virus. And because they're paying out a shit ton of money yeah, to everyone yeah, I else. Think, I think that's an excuse. Yeah. Um, because all, all three of these shows were huge fan favorites. Yeah. I mean, and had a lot of viewers and trended, like Logan said, number one for a while. So I think the pandemic is a bullshit excuse. We know now that if you get two seasons on Netflix, you're lucky. Yeah. You know, they seem to be, even if they're huge hits, it's like, sorry, out of here after two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a, we have balloon payments about to hit and we need to get rid of some of these budgets. That's what I think. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> Amazon giving Nicolas Cage oh, shit. Uh, some life, some life, life support. Uh, they have announced that he is attached to voice a lead character and he's going to executive produce a series adaptation of Arthur Eon uh, Colfer's novel, High Fire. Uh, Cage will play High Fire, described as a vodka-drinking, flash-dance-loving dragon who lives in an isolated existence in the bias of, or bayous of Louisiana. Yeah. No, I, I'm – Nicolas Cage as a drunk dragon, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> like, And it's set in Louisiana in the bayous. How can you not want to watch that? That's like a train wreck waiting to happen. Right. I am so down for it. And it says – um. In the series, supposedly dragons once ruled the earth, but now Lord Highfire only rules the dragons in his little area. And by the time it's all over with, now he's just Lord Highfire, and he lives in his shack in Louisiana. You know, he drinks uh, vodka and um, just tries to do the old passing the day by. Apparently, he gets drunk and hangs out with um, alligators and watches cable TV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, so I mean, this is gonna be like what the fuck. Right. But I'm in. I'm in. I'm good. Oh, I'm going. Man. But yeah, Amazon. Amazon Scoofy. <laughs> um, now heading over to Apple. Yes. Uh, they have attached Kira Knightley to star and executive produce a new original series, The Usix Serpent. Mm. Um, it will follow a newly widowed woman played by Knightley, who, uh, being released from an abusive marriage, relocates from Victorian London to a small village in the country of Usix. Um, uh, she is intrigued by local uh, supervision and that the logistical creature known as the Usyk Serpent ha- has returned to the area. Yeah, it's going to be a, 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 a supernatural thriller. Yeah, right? Like, like, And we need one because Supernatural is going off. Exactly. And it's Keira Knightley. They're trying to provide you with all this content. Like, Supernatural is going off. We need something to fill that void. Like, But I'm a huge fan of Keira Knightley. Yeah. So I'm in. It's kind of like the same way they uh, are trying to do all these like uh, medieval shits after Game of Thrones went off. Like, revamping Lord of the Rings. I mean, of course. I mean, everybody wants to see Lord of the Rings. Exactly. But, I mean, it just shows – Game of Thrones showed everyone that people are still interested interested in that genre so <laughs> even if the dragon's in the bayou drinking vodka yeah like <laughs> I'm, look though the, the the main trend of this whole industry news is that the streamers are putting out a lot of content either reboots originals whatever but as you guys saw the network's 
they're not going to have new shows. Exactly. It's going to be like, you know, they're all pushed back because of COVID, so we're going to need something. So apparently we're going to be spending all of our time at the streamers. Boom. Uh, there it is. Uh, yep, I Industry mean, news in a nutshell. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but now it is time for our guest segment. We teased a little bit earlier. We got the one only Amy Statch coming on the show. Talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's so super exciting. The third installment. She's been in all three. And, of course, we're talking about other things in her career from the past and the future and what she's going through right now. It's awesome. It is awesome. And and guys, if you're an aspiring, like we know you guys are, because we have so many listeners out there that are, she gives some seriously awesome advice. She does. Real advice. Even if you're not wanting to be an actor, but like behind the camera director, cinematographer, she drops it. She gives you some shit. Yep. You need to listen. So this is a good one. Definitely. Definitely. Well, here she is. Amy Stock, welcome inside the crazy ant form. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you, guys. Oh, awesome. And thank you for joining us, boy. We are excited to talk to you. Such a stellar career. And, and, and I mean, Bill and Ted, yeah. we're excited about Bill and Ted. Definitely. <laughs> Super well, excited. Am I. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, what we like to do at first is kind of give you an introduction to the listeners about you and how you got started. Because we have a lot of up and comers that listen to the show and are trying to break into the industry. So we always like to start off with our guests kind of saying how their route came about and how they got into it um was it something that you always wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it or how'd you get started wow there's a book in itself (laughs) Uh, usually you know it's it's really interesting some people know what they want to be since the day they're born some have to find it and both are great paths to who we eventually become for me it was a career day in second grade at Mm. wells elementary school in euclid ohio there you go and um, did a career day, if you can imagine, you know, second graders in career day. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember her listing these professions on the board and, you know, we talked about them and she would discuss them. And for some reason, the two in my brain that sticks out now are none or movie star. <laughs> two different, two yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew one was obviously not right for me. <laughs> And I went home to my mom that day, and I promptly announced, Mom, I'm going to be a movie star. Mm, There you go. Yeah. And that's when she started turning gray. (laughs) 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 So I knew knew all along. I, I just did. And I followed it all through school, all through three different degrees and a career. So. That yeah, I love that though. I, I love to hear like somebody who's determined right from the get go. This is what I'm gonna do. You lay it out to the parents and say, like it or not, here I go. Right, and you know this is happening, and I'm gonna do it. Um, did, now did you have a very particular route? Like when you say movie star, did you know I want to do film and television, or did you? Was there ever like where you thought about jumping off the path and doing theater, or how'd that all go down? Or was it very specific? No, movie star. Well, you know. Uh- Justin, when you're in second grade, you're, you're pretty specific about <laughs> Yes. Uh, but in reality, no. It, it started out with, with being an actor. I wanted to be an actor. I loved acting. I didn't care in what venue it became. Uh, through elementary school, I would do the little plays we had. I mm-hmm. even wrote one for my girlfriends that we put on for a class project. Uh, and then, you know, you move on to, at that time, it was junior high and did choirs and plays, choirs and plays all through high school. So at that time, it was theater. It wasn't so much uh, movies. And by uh, high school, I knew I wanted to go to Broadway. 
I, that was my, I wanted to be a Broadway actor. I was, I can sing, but let I'm not a singer. No one would really right. want to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, being inspired and stuff, I was, I was okay with that. But I, I really, at that time, and also college as well, the desire and the effort was Broadway. That was my main goal. Hmm. So was the first uh, so thought was the first thought New York? Were were you like headed that way to New York and as opposed to out west? So oh yeah 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 uh, no it, all through college the dream was to go to New York and uh, as it turned out my senior year my mother saw an ad in the local Cleveland paper for an audition for uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts mm. in New York and they were going to come to Cleveland so she insisted I go and I signed up and I auditioned and lo and behold got accepted so the next year I was on my way to New York to study at the academy so wow. and that was it that's where I wanted to be it was wow was it a tough year <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know not just the, the because I had a, a, some excellent teachers and I had great friends there, I was massively homesick and scared. Mm. So that uh, that didn't work out for me. Um, so I came back to Cleveland after that for a couple of years and really just kind of danced around and went, "What am I doing?" I I was modeling in Cleveland. We had a boy. Did we have we had hot models in Cleveland at that time? <laughs> and no, I'm not no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> we, we but the modeling market was amazing in Cleveland in, in 1983, and we did a lot of work, and I thought, that's great, I love it, but I didn't want to stay in Cleveland, mm. and so, if you don't mind me, keep going, here's my story, that's why I told you, this is, this is a book in the yeah, making. No, oh, no, we, we love hearing stuff like this, this is great. <laughs> well, okay, so... Cleveland, yeah, I started working part-time in a bank like you do when you need actual money. Absolutely. And uh, then, the, you know, the modeling started to take off. And after two years, my agent uh, was going to retire, and she knew she was. So she took six of our portfolios over to Shirley Hamilton's in Chicago. Mm. And it literally walked us through the door. And if we wanted to move to Chicago to pursue a career, she was going to open that door for us. Mm. And uh, Shirley Hamilton accepted me. The next year I moved to Chicago. And again, modeling, uh, tried to do some acting. I actually shot my first national commercial in Chicago because okay. the market is so beautiful there. Right. And I got partly for SAG. But again, I... You guys asked me, you know, after college, and I realized Broadway wasn't going to be for me, I really didn't know the direction I was going to go in, and I kind of just followed where I was being led. Mm. And I was lucky enough to be led. You know, Chicago was great. Uh, and then the Star Search opportunity came up. I had no desire to move out of Chicago. I loved it. And I loved the market and the city. But the uh, Star Search came along, and... Again, I was lucky. I got, uh, I auditioned. I got on the show, and that's what moved me to Los Angeles the first time, and to film and TV. Well, let's so. talk about Star Search because it, it was a phenomenal show back in the day. I, I mean, I, I used to watch it religiously when I was young, and I, I thought Ed McMahon was just priceless. Um, what'd you do? <laughs> what, what, what was the routine? What, what, and how many stars did you get? <laughs> how many stars did I? Uh, well, interesting. I was in the spokesmodel category, and just about every woman I went up against was like six feet tall and statuesque and gorgeous. And here's this little five, six, nothing from, you know, Euclid, Ohio. <laughs> uh, but I was, um, let's see, I, I was on six regular shows. I lost on my sixth 
regular show. Oh. But I had won enough times to make it to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. But it was that sixth show, the one I lost on, that literally started my film career. Mm. Um, the One of the judges on that show, her name is Sue Cameron, and I was backstage after I was after I lost, kind of bummed out, but I was watching the rest of the taping and, you know, uh, and then I was going to go pack up and leave. And I see this woman walking towards me backstage and she introduced herself. Hi, I'm, you know, Sue Cameron. I was one of the judges and she handed me her card and she said, I'm an agent with leading artists. I'd like to meet with you and represent you. Mm. And I, oh my God, just, did that just happen? That, <laughs> that's, right. you know, that's just like, whoa. That doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. No. So I met with her and the other agents at Leading Artists and got signed on, and that was the start of my film career. Oh, my goodness. Well, all I'm hearing from this is, one, you had great people surrounding you all throughout like your upbringing and coming up in the entertainment industry and modeling, and two, you're always mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, I and I'm the first one to say, look, it wasn't my talent or my look, man. It was luck. Well, well sometimes you need luck, though, right? I and agree. and you just oh, never absolutely. know. Another really good thing for all of our listeners to hear out there is that I want to stress. You said you didn't win. And yet, you still were able to land an agent. You exactly. were still able to start a career and now have been at this career for an extended amount of time and been very successful, and you didn't win to have to launch that. I think that's important for people yeah. to realize that you don't always yeah. have to get everything that you think you need in order to succeed. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly right. It takes perseverance. It takes not giving up. It takes don't go home after you don't win a job and cry about it you you know you sulk for like a minute swear in your car on the ride home exactly <laughs> and then you know the next thing you get up and you try it again i mean that's the way a working actor does it and and as long as we're on this guy boy you open the floodgates okay <laughs> advice for young actors if, if you want to be a star Go flip burgers now because that's not the attitude that's right what you want is you want to work that's what you want to be. You want to be a working actor. Uh, fame, fortune, anybody who has that A-level list will probably tell you the same thing. If you focus on being a star, yeah, you could have short-lived whatever. But if you want acting as a lifelong career, you have to focus on it as your business, as your job, and you work it. Oh, I love that. That's so good. And especially coming from like we're an upstarting uh, production company as well and we just keep moving forward every single day i mean that's all you have to do right especially in the entertainment industry you have to keep going keep moving forward you're gonna get a hundred no's but it's those one or two yeses that get you through the door and make you come who you are yeah and you need passion you have to have passion for what you're doing like you said i think so many people go out there with stars in their eyes and think they're going to be the next you know marilyn monroe or the next tom cruise and that's just not the case 90 percent or more working actors are just that working actors exactly. they're not you know so very important very yeah. good advice i, I and you, then for everybody in the business anybody in the business not just actors if, yep. you know you want to be a producer a director a, a you know cinematographer anything you got to start at the bottom and work up and just keep working and prove that you can do the work and do it well and be professional about it. And consistently learn. Exactly. I, I feel like that's a really important too. Never get to the point where you think you know everything, right? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I, there's a famous saying in uh, higher academia that says, when you graduate with your BA, you know everything. 
When you graduate with your PhD, you know absolutely nothing. <laughs> I love that. I That's love so that. great. That's so great. But of mm-hmm. course, we want to talk to you about your little uh, stint on Days of Our Lives. I mean, how is your Russian accent nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cover up series, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, the Russian accent thing. We won't get into that because I feel <laughs> it's a little political right now. I yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Um, Day for Life, that was that was a hoot um, to be on. It was also very difficult. Anybody who disses uh, a daytime soap actor, actor doesn't know what they go through. They mm. work very hard. And uh, it was cool. I was uh, Britta England, uh, and the Russian spy who was involved with, um, God, Bo and uh, Patch. That's yep, it. yep. And, you know, boy, I, they didn't know what they wanted to do with me. Mm-hmm the character. Uh, so it was kind of day to day what was going to happen. And if I caught on, then I could stay that kind of thing. But the actual day was from, for me, it was from 6am to six at night. And oh, then you wow. go home and you memorize 20 or 30 more pages. Mm-hmm. And then you go back the next day and do the same thing. Uh, it was a tough learning experience. I can't say that that was one of my favorite experiences, uh, but I'm certainly glad I went through it. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, I feel like daytime television and soap operas are so underappreciated because those are the real actors that literally give day after day after day of nonstop dedication Mm -hmm. and hard work. Mm -hmm. And they just provide some of the best acting that's in the entertainment industry. So, I mean, I can only imagine the learning experience that was. I, you know, and I was, I'm really sad that daytime soaps have gone by the wayside for all of these talk shows and things that are just fueling all the hate. Yep. Let's just watch good old soap and watch other people hate each other. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's oh I love that. That is so good. And then yeah of course now you're 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 one of the rarities who has done both daytime soap and nighttime soap on one of the biggest ever, Dallas. That that was interesting yeah. to say the very least, I bet. And at, I would say not a fan favorite, right? Because I mean you were moving in on Pam's territory. I can't <laughs> people loved Pam and Bobby. Like you can't have a new love interest, Bobby. Like, like, what was that like? Uh, well, it was exactly that, uh, basically. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, yeah, I came on after she wanted to leave the show, so they blew her up in a fiery car crash yep. character. And I came on to be a possible new love interest for Bobby, but they knew right away that wasn't going to work. <laughs> uh, then they tried to, um, uh, and I'll tell you why in a minute, uh, they tried to get me into this more evil storyline and hook me up with JR, which is where it eventually went. All about, you know, I think the kid's name is Christopher mm. and who gets custody of him. And, yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, being on Dallas, holy, holy mackerel. I, I watched the first several seasons of Dallas uh, and was a fan. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing I've ever done to date at that time. And I uh, worked with the cast. I met them all. Two things that stick out from the Dallas experience. And I'll tell you the the kind of not, it's not bad, but I'll tell you the one that kind of ended that storyline pretty quickly. Uh, we auditioned for the parts in LA, but the cast was already in Dallas shooting the exterior scene. So we, and it was a very quick turnaround. Mm. One of those wonderful auditions where you, you just get, you're one of 10 people who get called in for that one time. You have one shot. So, uh, I got the part, long story short, I fly down to Dallas, and the first time I meet Patrick Duffy, he says, very nice to meet me, and he looks at me and goes, wow, you look young enough to be my sister. <laughs> oh. 
that. Oops. Okay. Yeah, that that was that kind of went. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other wonderful, I mean, it was, there were so many experiences. We were on, my season was the 10th season of Dallas, so there were big parties and lots of celebrations, mm-hmm. barbecue at Fork, that whole thing. Uh, but one of the best things that happened to me while shooting that show was I had a scene with Barbara Belgetti, mm. who played Miss Elf. And after we were done, finished with the scene, she comes over to me personally and said, you're a very good actress. And I went, oh, my God. I almost melted right into the <laughs> I bet. I bet. You know, I don't know if she said very good. I think she just said you were a good actress. And just to have that coming out of an actor like Barbara Belgetti saying that to me, uh, it was quite an honor. And I've never forgotten that. Oh, I bet. That's so wonderful. And what, what, because we have, we've had a lot of people on that have gone like made these appearances or become a cast of a, of a show that had been on a long time and a well-established cast and family and crew. What was that like? Were they very welcoming to you? And what was like going in on that? Because we hear it's like a machine at that point, 10 years in it's, it's a well-oiled machine and it's just rocking and rolling. What's it like to step into such an, established family like that were you welcomed in or was it a bit of a process to make yourself welcome or what uh, no no i think everybody was very welcoming right at first and uh yeah it was a well machine they knew what they were doing but i had just come off a daytime soap so i kind of was used to the routine there you go although a nighttime soap is filmed like anything else and we take good seven days to do an episode which is more relaxing than a daytime soap but no i felt very welcomed right at the start I think I put more of pressure on myself to do well uh, in that situation uh, than anybody else in the cast. And I remember being several episodes were directed by several of the stars. Um, Patrick Duffy direct, directed some. Linda Gray was wonderful as a director. So, no, they were they were very nice. They And I, you know, kind of, I, I don't know that if I ever fit in, but they certainly didn't make me feel like, hey, you've got two episodes and you're out. So that was great. <laughs> Fantastic. I love to hear that because mm-hmm. sometimes there's horror stories. And so, you know, I, I always like to hear that it's accommodating and it's welcoming and that, that you, it's everything you think that it is. So that's fun. Um, let's yeah, talk. You know, can I just comment on that though, guys? It doesn't always, it's not always like that, but here's something I've learned after um, so many thousands of years in the business. If you want my advice, it's I don't look to be their best friend mm. when I go on. I look to be a, a good actor and very professional, like I said, collegial, someone people want to work with. Right. But I'm there to to be their best buddy. Um, if If we do become friends, that's great. Like I've got several friends from things I've shot, but that's that's not my main goal. So I'm not I guess what I'm trying to say is if. If I'm accepted as an actor, that's good enough for me. And I won't be disappointed if I am off the show for some reason. They have their own reasons, and then I move on. Right. So – I think that's yeah. solid. I mean, uh, solid advice to stay grounded and remember, first and foremost, it's a job. Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, let's talk about it. The biggie coming up. Bill and Ted face the music. is so freaking excited (laughs) about this. I don't remember that one. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> that little tiny project with one of my favorite actors ever, Keanu Reeves. Like, I'm just so excited. I know, he's so... <laughs> I'm, like, 
the whole history of this film happening, though, it's it's almost like reminiscent of the first one where it was going to, and then there was financial trouble, and was it going to get picked up? Was it going to see the light of day? This third one, it seems like it kind of went through the same thing. It's going to happen. It's not happening. It's going to happen. It's not happening. What's that mm-hmm. like? What's that whole process of, you know, someone who, did you know you were going to be involved in it from the get-go, and so were you just waiting every time you hear it's going to happen, it's not going to happen, or did you not know you were going to be involved in it and kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, from what I understand from Alex and Keanu and Ed and everybody talking about it, they had started talking about the script possibilities about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the first time I ever heard there were rumors of a third one is when I was teaching in Illinois and some of my students, and this, I think this was like six, seven years ago or something. And I went, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But I didn't think about it because I was in a whole never mindset back then. Right. Uh, the first time I knew definitively that I was once again being brought back is, uh, when was this, three three years ago? Maybe four? Oh, God, my brain is just... <laughs> <laughs> it was at Comic Con, or no, WonderCon. And the Boom Studios were doing a series of villains had comic books, and they wanted, they offered for me to come down and be at their booth and sign autographs and stuff. So that was fun. I That was a lot of fun. And lo and behold, Scott Kroof was there, and the producer. And right. we reconnected. It was so great uh, to see him. We laughed. We had a lot of fun. And then he leans over to me at one point and said, there is a third one and you're in it. And I nearly went through the freaking roof. <laughs> uh, that was the first out of you know his mouth. There it is. And uh, about five minutes later, I said, I excused myself and ran into the lobby and called my son. Mm, <laughs> that's went, so good. I was so excited at that point. <laughs> well, but then, you know, it's three or four more years go by and nothing starts happening until, um, when was it? Last spring, spring of 2019. And all of a sudden the guys are, they're filming that little thing illicitly in front of the Hollywood Bowl. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently they snuck in with no permit and did that, which is so apropos of Bill and said, I can't think of it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I saw that on social media and I was like, uh, they haven't called me. Nobody's called me. What's going on? You know, so I went, okay, well, maybe they changed their mind, whatever. I was trying to, I was trying to be calm. Mm-hmm. And then I, like two or three weeks later, I get this email from Scott Cruz. And he goes, I have been trying to call you. I, I guess I have a wrong phone number. And I saw that. He gave me his phone number and I immediately called him. And that's when he told me definitively, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to do it this summer. You're in it. And that was uh, that. was that. That's that was so yay. great. That is great. <laughs> I, I mean, and it, it, it's funny that you bring up WonderCon and say how much fun it was because th- this film franchise has such a huge fandom. It does. I mean, and such a massive <laughs> following. That's got to be something really epic to be involved with, right? And the guys, talk about Keanu and Alex. I mean, are they as crazy as they seem? I mean, like in real life? Because I, I can totally see these guys breaking into the Hollywood Bowl and shooting something. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that, that totally fits their characters. Uh, and personally, I don't I don't really like I work with them and we're, I like to call them friends. Like I said, we're not best buddies. Right. But my God, the, the way that they have conducted their careers, I am in I'm in awe of their success. And 
Keanu, of course, with all the films he does and the amazing characters he's created. And Alex, with his directing and his documentaries, and he's so smart. And these two guys are just really successful men in this business. But then you see them doing Bill and Ted and like, oh, wow, that's like riding a bike. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And that in itself is a talent. Like these extremely successful behind the camera in front of the producer and and director and, you know, these professionalism. But then, like you said, fall right back into character of Bill and Ted so seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And watching them uh, work on the third one helped me relax and realize, yeah, we're, we're all back together again, and, and this is the family, and this is great. So that was fun. It, it just felt, for me as an actor, slipping right back into that was so comfortable. Oh, I love it. I, and I'm just so excited for this thing to come out. I mean, you know, COVID-19 pushing all the movies back, and especially, like, this one being a midsummer blockbuster release. But I'm still excited that we'll finally get to see it. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, too. I... I, of course, wanted the big, splashy Hollywood premiere, you yeah. know, bring my son, my adult son now, and finally show him, look, look what mom does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, not going to get to experience that, but if, hey, if, if that's the worst that's going to happen, that's more than fine with me. I I want the fans to see it. I think you guys will really like it. Um, I think the message that Bill and Ted has always said, be excellent to each other, is something we really need to hear right now. Absolutely. And, um, so we'll see. I, I'm hoping people like it. Oh, I have no doubt they're going to like it. Like I said, when when we even just mentioned the hint that you were coming on the show, we had a bunch of people like thrilled about it. So the the fandom is there. People are still excited about it. I think it's going to do well. And you know, hearing you talk about the guys and what they were doing, uh, like behind the scenes and stuff, uh, just begs to question: Do you have any aspiration to move behind the camera? Could you see yourself maybe directing or producing or something along those lines? Maybe I would love to direct someday. I would absolutely love it. I've directed theater uh, quite a bit, actually, um, and I love that very much. But I'm also a photographer, amateur photographer, actually putting together a book of my photography, slowly but surely. Uh, so just being able to to see something unfold behind the lens would be amazing for me. Uh, either as director, I don't think I could do cinematographer that's very technical, uh, but directing I feel I could really be strong at, not only as an actor, uh, but as a PhD with a brain, I hope that's still there. Uh, and, you know, just the ability to research and, and really scope out the history, the context, the story. Right. That would be really cool for me. So, and and you could just tell. Yeah, you could just yeah. tell in your voice that that it's something that I, I that's why I asked. I, you could just hear that passion like, oh, there's something there. So, yeah. you know. And let's talk Ooh. about the teaching because you've brought it up a couple of times. You teach theater, correct? I teach uh yeah, I teach a, actually a lot of different courses. Um I'm an adjunct instructor and right now I'm at New York Film Academy where I teach a critical writing class for their Master of Fine Arts um, students mm. teach them to write a thesis, a thesis paper, and I've also taught uh, theater history there, dramatic literature, and then I also teach uh, this coming summer semester at AMDA, where I'm teaching oral communication. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, <laughs> that's pretty important. <laughs> 
I, I turn every class that I teach, even though I'm not technically a speech teacher, it turns into more of a, let's give speeches on social issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then I also teach acting for the camera, uh, which is a hoot and a holler. Um, I created a class at ANZA a couple of years ago, which was very popular, uh, Women Writers of Literature and Theater. Mm. And for me, that was, that was a baby of mine because it was to explore the lost and hidden narratives of strong females in history. Nice. And... Uh, as a theater historian now, if I get to teach it again soon, I'm going to restructure my whole class, my whole way of teaching that. It's not going to be uh, white European-centered anymore. It's going to be on social issues throughout history that have affected all different cultures and races and classes of people in in theater itself. Theater is the strongest, it's the old, second oldest profession in the world, but also it's the strongest um, deposit of historical culture that we have of, yes. of people. You go, and I tell my students this all the time, you want to know about a certain time period, you go read a play from that time period. It will give you social, uh, political, historical, diplomatic, intellectual history of that time period. Theater will never go away, by the way. I know a lot of people have said that live theater is so passe, well, folks, we've been locked down, kind of, sort of, uh, for the last four months and without much human contact. How many of you out there right now are craving that live interna- interaction with people? Absolutely. Well, that's exactly. And that's live theater. So it won't go away. It will continue to record who we are as society, and it will continue to move forward. I love There's my for live theater. There you go. Well, I love it because I've always thought that the arts and theater and film and and whatever whatever manner you're presenting it in has always been the platform to spark conversation. You know, and if you can start a conversation and have people talk about like what you said, social issues and the things that are going on in society and 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 issues that need to be talked about, that what better way to do it than entertain someone and inform them at the same time. I love the fact that you say you're going to adjust the gears and move and move the curriculum that way. I think it's needed, and we need more people like you to do it. Exactly, and unfortunately for us in higher education, we're handed mandates by the university that yep. says you need to teach these things in these classes. Right. Well, okay, and you follow that because you know it's your job, and they're telling you to do it. Well, not for me, not anymore, not as an adjunct. I I think I I feel freer to construct a course that I really want to teach. Good for you. I love that. I love that. I mean, what better way to end the interview segment by just giving up that piece of knowledge and, I mean, helping, like, keep the arts alive, especially I'm a thespian myself, and I absolutely Mm -hmm. love live theater. I loved Hamilton, just came out, like, absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing at the moment. But what we like to do at the end of each interview segment is have our guests leave a little piece of advice of for the up-and-coming actors trying to break into the entertainment industry, and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? I know you've been given uh, a little piece of advice throughout this interview, but I just want, what's your main piece of advice that you would give an up-and-comer? Don't let anybody tell you that this isn't what you should be doing. Mm, I love that. If you you love it, if it's all you've ever wanted to be, don't let them say, oh, that's just a dream. You're not going to make any money. Why bother? Uh, No, I I don't feel there are enough young people following their dreams lately. They're following money. And for me, you know, look, I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not 
independently wealthy. I'm a struggling working actor, adjunct instructor. Yeah, we've got big films coming out, which is great. Love that. But when all said and done, at the end of the day, I still need to to work. But am I doing it just to make money? No. Uh, and I guess I never I never have. I'm lucky, like I said, to have gotten the experiences I've had and the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen for everyone. So here's the second piece of advice. After you give your dream that certain amount of time, you will know that maybe it's time to shift. Maybe it's not going to happen. And maybe it's time to look at another direction. Doesn't mean you have to take yourself out of acting, out of theater, out of film. You don't. There are so many opportunities in our arts, and they're so desperately needed right now. Why do you think I went to graduate school and got a PhD in theater history, theory, and criticism? Not because, gee, I really want to be a teacher. No, I want to stay as involved in the art form that I love as I possibly can. And that's what I've done. Mm, that is seriously great advice. And I, woo, we could not agree with you more that we feel there are not enough people chasing the dreams right Agreed. now. It seems yep. everyone is consumed by the money and, and has forgotten all about just living. And, and, and you yep. know, yeah, it's so refreshing to hear somebody say that. So refreshing. Good. Thank you. No, thank you. This yes. has been an absolute joy to talk to you. Uh, you just seem to have your head on sh- straight and, and you know how to get it done and you're passionate about what you do. And that comes through and it's always fun to talk to people like yourself. Well, thank you guys. Of thank course. You. That, you know, right back at you. This has been so nice and relaxed and just, yay. I like this kind of interview. Oh, well, thank you very much. And listen, open invite, come back on, you know, yeah, chat it up with us and everything and, or just anything you want to come on and just talk about social issues and, and the importance of speaking <laughs> and starting a conversation. We would love to have you. Yes. I, I agree. I would love to come back. Uh, are you on social media? We want to be able to t- make sure everybody follows you if you're on social media. So if so, tell us where at. Uh, yes, I am on Twitter uh, at A-E-S-T-O-C-H-1-3. And then Instagram, I'm on there as well. Can't remember. You'll find me. <laughs> You'll find me. <laughs> that, that, that's me on social media. You'll find me. Just look for me. It's all good. <laughs> Listen, enjoy the rest of your day. And you've, like I said, been an absolute gem. We couldn't be more happy to have you on. And just uh, take care, continued success, and uh, best wishes through everything. Thank you. The same to you guys. And hey, everybody out there, be excellent to each other. Yes. Okay? <laughs> Love it. Bye, All right. Bye right, bye. Bye. Just so real. She was like brought the realism and brought the love and passion for the entertainment industry for many years before us like yeah and i just i i always find the stories fascinating you know knew she wanted to be an actress but then it wasn't happening but just kind of bounced and bounced and bounced and we talk about this all the time i always feel like there's a greater power and what you are meant to do you will be placed there to do it exactly. and that's kind of exactly how her path went and boom the rest is history so just yeah, always refreshing. I, I love interviews like that. So good. So good. Thank you again, Amy, for coming on the show. Oh, man. Oh, man. Mm. Uh, now it is time for the top five segment. Yes. Uh, as we talked about before, um, our podcast producer and shout out to Jason has just been killing it with the top five segments recently. He's got like the next 4,000 years planned out yep, he and is. ready to go. And man, like, damn you. Damn you. Because... 
They're so hard. Yes. But I've got my 10-gallon hat and my six-shooter good to go for this one. Bing, bada, bing, 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 bing. Can you guess what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Westerns. Top five Westerns. <laughs> so super excited. There's so many good ones out there. And after seeing the top five uh, category come out, I went back and watched some of them. And damn, they're just so good. They are good. So good. Uh, my number five is Ned Kelly. Not a lot of people know about this one. Heath Ledger, Orlando Bloom, over in either Australia or Ireland, one of the two. And freaking, it's basically this family who accidentally becomes bank robbers and kind of just fall into the life. But it's just so damn good. I mean, Orlando Bloom and Heath Ledger. That's enough for you right there. Be sure to check that one out. Honestly, one of my best that I've ever seen. Best Westerns that I've ever seen, obviously, because it's made my list. But yes, I mean, <laughs> of course, um, I was going to put a certain film, a uh, certain... Um, franchise of films on mine but we'll get to that later once because it's on yours butterfly yeah that's a little tease yeah right right. (laughs) number five for me true grit Mm. the original and the reboot i'm I'm specifically talking about the reboot um but with Haley steinfeld and you know just brilliant film matt damon and um jeff bridges but yeah you know basically about this girl whose family is killed she goes and gets this old gun shooter you know to come and avenge the death um just brilliant i thought the original with john wayne was fantastic and normally true grit's like one of the most epic you know all-time beloved westerns of all time right yeah and it's the duke so should you remake that and people were like "Eh." but the remake was actually really fucking good yeah and Haley won an oscar so that should tell you how good it is um so yeah true grit Number five for me. Definitely, definitely. Uh, number four for me, I'm sure a lot of people, I might get a lot of slack from this because <laughs> it's just a hilarious movie and I love both <laughs> of these actors. But I'm talking about Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan and mm. Owen Wilson. It was just absolutely hilarious and just the story was so good. And I mean, John Wynn, so he, his name was John Wayne. Um, and freaking Cowboy by Kid Rock was in it and like the song was in it. And I mean, just so good, man. The dynamic between uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson was just, it made the movie. And I mean, of course, they did Shanghai Nights, the sequel, which, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but Shanghai Noon, definitely one that you should see. It's a very family-friendly movie, so be sure to check that out. Uh, but I think Jackie Chan just works so well with anybody. I do, too. Like, just bring him over and put him in any kind of a movie, and he nails it. Yeah, it's I agree. Like, even Jennifer Love Hewitt with the tuxedo. Yeah. Like, that That, that was a good movie because was. of Jackie Chan. It's- true okay. you can literally just plop him in any type of a movie and he's good to go exactly. i mean that's guy's great <laughs> uh my number four and i reference this with my uh duos on screen duos and uh, a couple of weeks ago with the top five butch cassidy and the sundance kid yeah guys paul newman and robert redford western enough said right how can you that's not it. how can you not love that movie <laughs> honestly really one of the greatest westerns of all time about two of the coolest guys ever in the in the wild wild west yeah so there you go. Boom. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right there. Right there. Uh, my number three goes to Django Unchained. Mm. I'm talking about Quentin Tarantino's version with Jamie Foxx, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, freaking so many good people in this film. And some of the best performances in this film because, like, 
and I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people know, Leonardo DiCaprio really busted his hand on that glass and it's was true. completely bloody and wiped his real blood on that lady's face. And I mean, <laughs> to stay in character like she did was absolutely amazing. But of course, everybody knows how Quentin Tarantino movies go. So much dialogue to lead up to such an amazing, badass, epic, over-the-top violent scene and man did this film deliver especially with jamie fox as the lead character like it was so damn good so damn good if you haven't checked out django unchained definitely check it out one of quentin's best in my opinion agreed agreed and jamie fox is killing it also man he, he's severely underrated as well he I think. is um number three this is what he was talking about uh <laughs> number three yeah Young Guns yep. slash Young Guns 2. Because mm-hmm. it's really just one long-ass movie if you really think about yeah. it. Um, but yeah, how how can that not be on the list? So good. I mean, you got the Sheen brothers, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen, right? You got Lou Diamond Phillips. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, butterfly. Oh, yeah. Like that scene alone is when they're in the uh, desert and they're drunk and the heat and like all that kind of stuff. Coyote, bro. Coyote <laughs> yeah. and like just all of that. But um. I just honestly think Emilio Estevez as Billy the Kid was about as perfect casting as you could get. Yeah. Um, and I just really, really think this is a just a brilliant telling of one of the what most famous Western stories ever, yeah. Billy the Kid. Um, it leaves open to interpretation. Did he die? Did he not? Is he alive? Is that really him? Um, just the whole thing. You know, they did do a little, you know, recast, William Peterson, you know, with uh, Who Shot Billy. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I can overlook that. I still think it's just brilliant. And Bon John, John Bon Jovi with the with the soundtrack, so good, so good. The second one, so, was good. so good. If you guys haven't seen the Young Guns franchise, what the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah, seriously, go go watch them. They are brilliant, and yeah. you can find them damn near everywhere. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both on Hulu right now. I just exactly. watched the first one uh, the mm. other day. So good, so damn good. Uh, my number two goes to Three Ten to Yuma, the remake, because uh, I haven't seen the original, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe, Christian Bale, um, fucking what's his name, uh, Logan something, Logan Lerman. Is that yes, him Logan that? Lerman. Yeah, yeah, young Logan Lerman. Like such a good freaking movie, man. Russell Crowe as a cowboy is absolutely badass. I'm just saying it right there, and him as that character. And by the way, we have visited most of the sets that were in that movie, Three Ten to Yuma. Mm-hmm. Just name dropping that right there. That's right. Um, yeah, just such a good movie, man. I loved like the dynamic between those two characters and those two actors as well, especially them building like their friendship throughout the whole movie, even though one guy is supposed to be bringing another guy to jail and because he needs money. But at the end of the day, like he saved his life. The convict saved the guy's life and fucking like still went to jail. Even though he broke out. Like, you saw the horse at the end fucking help him. But, you know, such a good movie, man. Such a good interpretation of this classic. Yeah, and one of my favorite things about this movie, uh, you know, above and beyond the obviously phenomenal performances by the ridiculously awesome cast, is um, the cinematography. Yeah. They used uh, an old trick that was done in 12 Angry Men. You remember that about the jury and everything? They did this, this, the scene in the hotel room where time is running out and he's got to get to the train and, and the intensity and the drama of is it, you know, where they, they, they keep, every time they show, it closes in and closes in and closes in tighter, tighter shot and just, you feel like you're in that room and you're there and you're just like, so from a filmmaking standpoint, just brilliant. Yeah. Just I mean, you guys should definitely check. It's good on the list, man, because that's a great film. It is. Um, number two for me. I had a hard time between you know this one for number one or number two, but I went with number two. 
Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Unforgiven. Oof. I mean, guys, it's probably the all-time best, and Jesus, he's done how many? But it's probably the all-time best, in my opinion, Clint Eastwood Western. It is the epitome of the perfect Western film, I think. Um, The performances are absolutely phenomenal. Um, And guys, this is one that, that he shelved. He literally had this script and put it in a drawer and held it for like 20 years because he knew. And then brought it out when he was older and, and, and do and, – and, I mean, look at it. it Oscar winner. It's Matt. It just – if you guys have not seen this film about it, it's basically a redemption story of an old gunslinger. Yeah. And uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Check it out. Unforgiven. Like I said, Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Exactly. Like, I'm just saying. So good, man. So good. Now, my number one, taking it way back, this is definitely a film of the childhood that I watched with my grandfather because it's about a grandfather trying to get his grandson back after being kidnapped. But I'm talking about 1971's Big Jake John Wayne. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So good. Oh, my goodness. I can't. There's so many, like, different aspects and different like points in my life where i went back and watched this movie and it's just like damn it's such a good film and like it's a film like telling the story from start to end to where he didn't even know he had a grandson and then he comes back after being divorced from his wife and then tracking him down and like just getting him back it's such a good film i relate to it a lot with my grandfather and how our dynamic was but yeah Big Jake, if you have not seen that one, I mean, see any of John Wayne's Western movies because how can you not? And if you're a filmmaker, how can you not watch any of those or his war movies by that? Um, But yes, Big Jake, definitely my number one, 1971, taking it back. And uh, Patrick Wayne, his son, actually played his son in the movie as well. And uh, you were talking about in the Young Guns movie, the first Pat Garrett in uh, the first Young Guns was Patrick Wayne. Yes. Who was John Wayne's son. Yeah. So, epic. Epicness, man. It's all tied together. It is true. It's true. Okay, so my number one, to no surprise, if you guys know me because I reference it all the time, and um, like I said, I, I, I just it was a back and forth between Unforgiven and this, but this one, because... Uh, Tombstone. Mm. In my opinion, the absolute single best telling of the shootout at the OK Corral and the legend of the Earp Brothers and Doc Holliday. Yeah. I just think it was absolutely brilliant. By far, I know Iceman is up there. <laughs> it's up there. But by far, I think Val Kilmer's best performance, Doc Holliday. Mm. Um, he just, you know, he's my Huckleberry. He's always going to be my Huckleberry, okay? <laughs> um. The late, great Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott, just so many, Jason Priestley, just so many different people in this film. And of course, Kurt Russell. Of course. Kurt Russell, you know, as the legendary Wyatt Earp. Um, Guys, if you don't know the story behind this film, this thing really only came into existence because of Kurt Russell. It all fell apart. The money was gone. The director bolted. Kurt Russell basically did all of it himself to keep the film alive, to get it made, to get it done. And um, go read the story behind it, and you're going to be like, holy shit. And then you realize how epic the film turned out, and you're like, damn. Um, so, yeah, Tombstone, man, just, it's it's so good. I know. It's so good. And the makeup, I mean, God 
damn, Doc Holliday, when he's going through his tuberculosis and dying and yeah. shit, Val Kilmer just looks, I, I don't even know how to Rough. describe it. It's just so good, y'all. Yeah. So good. So many great Westerns out there. What are your favorite Westerns? Mm. We seriously want to know. Be sure to comment below in the comment sections on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this and or watching this on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to do those YouTube things by liking and subscribing to the video and keeping up with us and ringing that bell because we appreciate you but just man such so many great westerns out there great top five segment great top five segment yes and we were talking about it now heading over to box office recap we were talking about it like what's going to be the first movie that breaks a million dollars well russell crowe uh unhinged (laughs) unhinged came in at number one with 4.1 million dollars um number two was spongebob movie uh sponge on the run uh 550 uh thousand dollars of five hundred fifty thousand dollars uh number three was words on the bathroom walls with four hundred sixty two thousand dollars number four was the goonies with two hundred sixty thousand dollars and number five was cutthroat uh city with two hundred forty thousand dollars yeah so i mean you know you know big things happening big things happening but we have new movies coming out this week that's right holy shit like we talked about a little bit earlier new mutants is coming out uh fox searchlight fox 21 or just disney disney (laughs) (laughs) marvel disney all that good shit new mutants coming out uh i think that's gonna get around like Seven to ten thousand, maybe. I mean, depending on who goes and who doesn't. Thousand uh, or million? Million. Oh, whoo! Yeah. I was like, damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Disney doesn't have hopes for it, but damn. <laughs> uh, like, but you know, you know. Um, and also, Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming out. Of course, you guys know that's why we talked to Amy Stotch today. And of course, uh, the personal history of David Copperfield is also mm, coming yep. out. So be sure to check those new movies out. But movies you can still go see are Unhinged, like we talked about, Words on the Bathroom Walls, and uh, Cutthroat City. In certain theaters, SpongeBob movie on certain theaters, and words on the bathroom walls like certain theaters. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you think um, Unhinged, or do you think Bill and Ted Face the Music bump Unhinged down to number three? Oh, I mean, honestly, I think Bill and Ted Face the Music is going to have more life on VOD because it's also it you is know, getting released there simultaneous. Yeah, they're doing that, which is interesting because again, that's the testing ground, right? Exactly. Can it work? Can it can it pop up on a thousand plus screens and on VOD at the same time? Yeah, that's going to be the testing ground. Exactly, exactly. But New Mutants, like I said, around seven to ten. Um, Unhinged, I think, will be number two with around two to three. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. I I think it's going to be around one to two million, um, and that's being generous. Uh, number four, I think, will be the personal history of David David Copperfield with around I don't know like five hundred to eight hundred thousand. And number five, I think, will be words on the bathroom walls with around a hundred and fifty thousand to like three hundred and fifty thousand. Like, it's been a while since I made any predictions, guys. I don't hold it. Uh, you know. You I'm know. still kind of bummed because it, it, in L.A., if you guys know, I mean, we can't go to the movies because they're not open. Yeah. And even when we travel and visit in North Carolina, we can't go to the movies because they're not open. Yeah. So I'm mad. New movies are opening up. I want to see New Mutants. Right. Damn it. I want to see New Mutants, and I can't see it. So I'm just kind of bummed. It's really sad, man. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> now heading over to IMDb Pro's Top Trek. 
trending segment. You guys know we love this app. Yes. I used it just now in the top five segment. Make sure I got some very credible actors' uh, names right, especially like <laughs> Patrick Wayne, who was also in Young Guns, who yes. I had no idea once I until I popped up his name. But you can track actors. You can track movies. You can track us, Crazy Ant Media, and our projects, everything we have going on, and the podcast to see all of our past guests that we've had on the show. It's true. So be sure to do that. Uh, but the number one movie on the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment is Project Power, Jamie Foxx's Project Power. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, probably one of the better Netflix movies, I will say. But a lot of it is, I feel like, it's more about the show and not about the story. Mm. So it was good. I'm not going to say it wasn't good. It was entertaining. But at the same time, coming from a filmmaking standpoint... I wanted more story. No idea what happened to the mom. No idea on some things. But, you know, just my opinion. Just my opinion. Overall, entertaining, like I said. But I wanted to know more. Me too. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx, I expected more. And I'm, I'm yeah, phenomenal saying. actors. Both, and they both did phenomenal in their roles, especially Joseph Gordon Levitt. Like, I absolutely loved when he get broke into the fucking mom's house and, like, got oh, in the yeah. bath yeah, towel yeah. and shit. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah baby. And like, but yeah, it mean, entertaining, but I'm not sure I'd watch it again. Exactly, exactly. And well, just in with Joseph Gordon, I mean, fr- he's a filmmaker himself. Yeah. So that, I guess that's why, you know, I was expecting more. I'm surprised he didn't, like, want to revise the script right. story wise. He probably got paid just, a shit ton. You know, that's true. It's Netflix. It's he probably true. got paid a shit ton. <laughs> um, the top trending TV show, surprisingly, the Umbrella Academy, because we just talked about Lucifer breaking all these records and being like the number one thing on Netflix. So why is it the Umbrella Academy? Yeah. Maybe I, I next bet next week. week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet next week. Uh, interesting. Interesting. And the top trending star is Journey Smollett. Uh, she's killing it right now, dude. She she's is, everywhere. She's like, like She's bringing honor back to that name. I'm just saying, <laughs> she really is. Like she is, she is making a huge impact in so many different genres of the entertainment industry, yeah. film, television, all these different things. And she's so talented. Like she is, yeah, she is, and she's got her head on straight. She does. So yeah, you know, proud good, of you. Good for her. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> But anyway, guys, we thank you so much for getting a little crazy with us on episode 127 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. we got to thank our guest, Amy Stotch, one more time for coming on the show. Uh, be sure – she's on Facebook, I believe. That's what she said in an interview. Um, anywhere else on social media? I uh, no, uh, Twitter, Twitter and uh, Instagram, not on Facebook. Not on Facebook. For personal reasons. Remember, okay. she got off there. Yeah. Both yeah. of those. Yeah. 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 Just go back and listen to the interview again <laughs> and then you'll know. Um, and be sure to follow the company – at Crazy Ant Media and the podcast, ItCap Podcast on all social media platforms. Yes. You can also follow us both personally, myself, JLo Fantastic, and Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That is correct. That is correct. And you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio. Uh, Podbean, Stitcher, all those good places. If you are watching this video on YouTube, we appreciate you. Be sure to hit that like button on the video, subscribe, ring that bell for all those amazing. Still working amazing, on Anita Ward. Still working on it. She okay. she's gonna come on. Gonna she's get gonna her. do it. She's like gonna do it. she's just gonna sing right here at the very end of the show. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be epic. I know, like it'd be great. <laughs> but we appreciate all you guys for getting a little crazy with us on episode one twenty seven. Yes. Be sure to visit the website. Uh, Crazy Ant Media for all the latest and greatest and 
uh, gear uh, that we have available. And of course, you guys know you can uh, stay up to date with our projects, podcasts, merch, everything, and anything that you want to know about Crazy Ant Media. Just be sure to go to our, to our website. Um, honestly, there was just so much good shit. Um, uh, I really like talking about – I don't know why because I really like the scripted stuff. But I really like talking about the – the pushback of the scripted stuff just because like I hopefully people who watch entertainment will realize this shit's real. Mm. This shit is putting affecting everything and even your stuff that you like and entertain yourself with. So just acknowledge it. Wear masks, sanitize anywhere and everywhere you go. Like just be safe and be prepared and I just yeah, I but I also really like the Netflix stuff and the top five. But honestly, the whole industry news, I enjoyed talking about all of that because it was all informational and informative. It was very fun. Um, obviously, because I'm a comic geek, uh, loved the the news of DC fandom and how successful it was. Could not be more happy to hear that they're going to do it again. Um, I think that's great. Um, I'm in a hundred percent. Nicholas Cage is a drunk dragon, okay? <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite parts. Of... What? I can't help it. It's drunk dragon, Nicholas Cage. Come on. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed our interview, too, with Amy because I just really love the realism and advice that she gives. My favorite line in the whole thing is like, if you want to be a star, go start flipping burgers because right. it's the wrong reason to get into it. And uh, Just really good advice. So I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, our top five, man, just makes me want to go back and watch Every single one of those right. westerns. It's so good, man. It's Jason, so good. killing it, man. Right, right. And you know who should be in the next biggest and greatest western because she would just absolutely kill it. The OK Crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, bro! bro!